I always also been attracted to a series, the photograph that Scott offered a tremendous amount of challenges for me and mm-hmm. obstacles for me and taking risks. I, I never liked anything that was easy. This photography podcast is brought to you by Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. Here is your today's host, W. Scott Olsen, with another fascinating conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today, folks, today we are going someplace that this podcast has never gone. We are going off into the world of gender and sexuality and nudity and documentary work and fine art. We are going to be ranging all over the place with one of the most interesting and, and, and most provocative practitioners, Vivian Marasevic. Vivian, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great. I'm looking forward to uh, sharing all my uh, information with everybody that will be listening to the podcast. <laughs> we, we are going to have a lot of fun. Your work has been exhibited and published all over the planet. New York Magazine uh, wrote a review of one of your early ex- exhibitions, Naked Men. You've been in the Leslie Lohman Gallery. You've been shown in Germany and Seattle and all over the place. You even got a New York Foundation for the Arts Photography Fellowship. This is, this is really, really interesting and provocative work. Before we get into it, though, I mean, I've been reading, you know, a bit of your background here. I'm always interested in how people get into photography and and what their early interests are. You say that you got into photography when your twin brother brought a camera back from Vietnam and you were intrigued by the speed of photography because you had already been a painter. Tell me about those early days. Tell me about the painting. Tell me about this camera coming home. Well, you know, I was always very creative as a, a young child, just was drawn to, to painting. I didn't never knew anything about photography, um, self-taught in photography. I grew up in a suburb of the city, so when I was going to school, I wasn't exposed to any photography, know anything about photography or photographers. But being very creative, I was always drawing. I remember in the second grade, I exhibit one of my first little paintings in, in a store window. And I, that's what I thought I was going to be doing after <laughs> high school and continuing in, in, mm-hmm. into college is become an art teacher. I didn't know anything about photography until uh, my brother, who returned from Vietnam, he bought a camera while he was over there and he didn't want it anymore. He just handed me this. I remember my first camera, how heavy it was. It was called a Miranda Sensor X. It was a heavy camera. It shot 35 millimeter film and Mm -hmm. he had black and white film. So he gave me a roll of film and he gave me the camera. And I didn't even know how to put a roll of film in the camera. He (laughs) spooled it through for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I just started using it. What, what was I, 20 years old, 19 years old? And and I grew up in a suburb of the city, but I was close close enough to the city to get into the city. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to take a bus and then the subway to get into the city. And I started just shooting with it. It was 36 exposures on a roll of film. I'd shoot a roll of film. And I'd return home with it. My brother would take it out of the roll of film, and I used to have it processed. 
But the first thing I remember shooting, my very early, early work, I still have those contact sheets. I have so many con- uh, folders of contact <laughs> sheets. I was I walked close to Bryant Park in those days, and I was always attracted to marginal people and there's mm-hmm. a lot of homeless people in there and i used to befriend them and sit down next to them and those are my earliest pictures of, of of those homeless people that were in Bryan park so i just started teaching myself i'd look at that and then i'd look at magazines and see what was published mm-hmm. and i knew my pictures weren't so good i, I just started applying what i knew with painting and light and composition a little bit and applied that to my frame in my in my camera and I just kept moving forward from that but but I was always very disciplined I really loved it because I I went by myself I was always like a solo person wandering around in midtown Manhattan and then ventured over to Times Square and stuff like that but I was always attracted to people and photographing people and so that that began my journey and uh, how i began shooting my specialization which is my lifetime uh, specialization mission and passion my lifetime work of erotica sexuality and gender all my different series they sort of have a thread that links them all together Mm -hmm. this this is a a really cool story and Although I am amazed because, you know, Bryant Park, Times Square back in the, the early 80s is nothing like it is now. The, the neighborhoods have been completely transformed. What is it about the homeless? What is it about the burlesque shows and that kind of stuff that attracted you? Well, before I even ventured to Times Square, I was doing the homeless in Bryant Park. And then I knew about a lot of homeless per- people that were down on the Bowery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ventured down there and I did a whole beautiful of, of, of work of, of the men down on the Bowery and uh, people at the New York Historical Society have seen them too and I'll be reconnecting with them for those with those pictures. But I spent some time down on the Bowery photographing a whole group of people down there. But I always also been attracted to series to photograph that Scott offered a tremendous amount of challenges for me and Mm -hmm. obstacles for me and taking risks. I I never liked anything that was easy. Uh, Of course, I see a lot of different other photographers work, but I I was always attracted to things that were very challenging. and, and, And if people said no to me, that made me even more that I wanted to do that you know and that's what happened over in times square so do, do, do you mean challenging in terms of the process or challenging in terms of what people saw in their response to it no, challenging in in being able to obtain the results that i wanted the people that i wanted to photograph the people that i know that might say no to me i'm not interested mm-hmm. that type of challenge that i wanted to have them trust me, want to be part of what I was working on, telling them what I'm doing with my photographs and why I'm doing it. 
Yeah, it, but reading—I I forget where I read it—but an earlier interview with you, it, it seemed remarkably easy. You would approach a manager, show him some of your work, say, "This is what I want to do," um, and then the guys actually were quite enthusiastic about it. Was it really difficult to gain trust in that environment? Well, before I could even get into any of the Times Square clubs, people think, you know, like you just said, it looks so easy. Cam- there were signs all around. Cameras not allowed. I even have it in some of my photographs where right. you see a, a picture there. Photographs are not allowed. Cameras are not allowed. I just couldn't walk into a club and speak to a manager. There's somebody over the manager that I'd had to speak with. There are owners during that time period that owned those clubs. There was a whole group of people. I don't know. want to say who might have owned them, but that whole Times Square sex club, those clubs were owned by different groups of people that are men who were sort of connected (laughs) with one another that had offices off around the corner that I had to go to and speak with before I could get into any of those clubs. And that's what I did. Uh, I made a phone call. I had to see who I had to see, brought work of mine that was previously published of naked men before I did the male burlesque and the live sex shows to them that I was a fine art photographer, what my purpose was and all that. And I did get a letter from one of those, which I still have a letter saying that he's given me permission to any, in all of the clubs that were around in Times Mm -hmm. Square to photograph. And he did say, Vivian, you can't photograph any of the patrons that are there. If I hear anything that you're disturbing anybody, you're not going to be allowed to come back into my clubs. Mm-hmm. So I assured him that I wasn't going to do that. And I didn't do that before I photograph anything in the clubs. And anybody that came on stage and talked to some of the patrons and tell them, don't worry about it. I, I'm going to be photographing who's on stage. Right. But that was a process of meeting with a few of these people. And I spent years also photographing in that Times Square. If it wasn't for the epidemic that came around, 82, mm-hmm. 83, shutting them all clubs down i'd probably still be there because it was so fascinating there was always new people to photograph tell me tell me about the response to your early work when, when people would see these images and again you know we're talking the, the early and, and mid 80s here yeah what what were people saying well my early work series was my naked men series male nudes mm-hmm. and how i began photographing male nudes is because uh You know, I was hanging around in in, uh, the village and in Soho, and I was meeting a lot of well-known photographers back then that are still around today, and a lot of them were photographing female nudes. Mm -hmm. And I had a very close photographer friend who was also photographing female nudes, and I used to see his work. And I used to say to myself, or him, or them, and talk, and I said, where are the male nudes and other women I talked to? We want to see male nudes. There's none being published in fine art magazines. I mean, some of the older work of, of who was some of the very early ones being published in any of the magazines that were being published around. So that's what I decided to uh, photograph male nudes. I took out an ad in the back of the Village Voice. 
<laughs> they used to run ads. And this was before the internet. This was before cell phones. You had your landline at home. I put, I said, I had this little ad that said, female photographer seeks men for nude photography. And I had put my home number on the, in uh -oh. there. Uh-oh. Yes. I had to plug my phone at night. But that's where how I got my subjects. And I went there cold. I talked to them on the phone before I went to their apartment, but I didn't meet any of them firsthand. Mm -hmm. And I just went there with my little camera in a bag. I used to shoot everything with available light. And I used to just work, photograph them in their home environment. This was before the internet and any of that. I never, never to this day, I'm now shooting other male nudes, had a, an issue or a problem with any anything. And I've done talks about this. And other women ask me a question. I, it's, it's amazing that there's still not a lot of female photographers who shoot the male nude. I think, uh, Scott, I might be the longest contemporary female photographer who shoot, still shooting the male nude. Why, why do you think that is? Is, is that, I'm curious what, what, your, what your take on that is. I think it's a, a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. It's a society thing. Women just aren't used to looking at images of male nudes like as, as frequent as men look at female nudes. Uh, you see ads around, it's all plastered with female nudes. And, and even with this digital age, you see all these women with their cameras, they're photographing themselves. Mm -hmm. And yet in, in, in sculpture from classical times up through now, the male nude is, is all over the place. So why, why are we not as interested in the male nude in 2D art and in, in photography? It's just not as acceptable as the female nude. Uh, they're not being published. What I've got gathered was why they weren't published, the, the male nude as frequent as the female nude, because which I think the male body is just as beautiful as the female body, mm -hmm. because the female genitalia is more hidden when it's, it's published as a photograph, but as a male nude image, penis is right out there. And in some people's minds, we're such still a puritanical country, the United States, we're not like your, your Western Europeans, uh, they're open to all of that more. I get more work in, uh, in European, Europe published than here. They, they see the male penis, they connect it with sex. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, that is the, one of the reasons why you don't see it as frequent as the female nude. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might want to have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation. And yet, I'm, I'm looking at one of your projects here, the, the, the book called She Shoots Men. Um, mm -hmm. Lovely, playful title there, by the way. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> 
And these are classical poses. These are, these could just as easily be women as men in the way you have the models posed. Tell me about this particular project and what you were after. You know, the photographs from uh, 1970, the roll film, it's not my digital work, it's all film from 1975 to 2005, and I did them in, in sections. As you see there, it's mm-hmm. my regular naked men photos, because I always like to do different things all the time. And then I did a section of me and men where I put just my hand in the picture with the guy, and then I did my... Uh, <laughs> That third section, which is my homage to my bridge, where they published the contact sheet, where I stripped the guy with my camera from start to finish. He's dressed and then he's nude. So that that's the basics of, of, of the book, that shift of books uh, published in 2013. Yeah, yeah it, it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful project. But, you know, it is clearly a fine art project. And, and, and the reason I bring that up is because a lot of your work is more of a documentary style. You know, it, it, it's more on site. It's more immediate. Do you see a difference between fine art and documentary in your work? Are you after different things? Well, there, there's it's two different types of photography. Right. Fine art is a documentary. I was going into the clubs. Everything was taking place as it was. I never told anybody to stop them impose mm-hmm. I, I photographed it as it was going on so as i was documenting it while it was taking place i'm back i'm doing fine art i'm doing uh you know my subjects now uh, fine art you could also call it do- i'm documenting them too mm-hmm. my subjects i mean it i think they're both sort of connected it's connected it's a type of photography. It's a different aspect of photography, documentary photography and fine art photography. The documentary, if you take one of those photos from from that live sex show series and, and print it out, it could be a fine art photo. Are, are there different ideas of composition, uh, different ideas of what you, what you are hoping for as a response? Or is this all pretty much just on, on a continuum and slightly to the left or right. Do you make that distinction when you're walking out the door, that, that today I'm doing A or B? Uh, well, no. The series that I'm currently working on now is fine art photo- f- photography. Yes. It's, you know, fine art photography, what I'm working on now. I'm not doing any of, of any type of performances, live performances that are taking place. The, the images that are absolutely stunning and beautiful, and, and I, I've been reading, you know, some of the, the commentary you've got on the web. The models all seem to be really interested and uh, enthusiastic about participating with this. Um, have, you, have you found any reticence and any sort of hesitancy among the men that you're trying to shoot? Matter of fact, Scott, I have so many men that want to be photographed by a female. I'm still finding men that never had the experience of being photographed mm-hmm. by a female photographer and want to be photographed to this day. There's no, not much hesitancy. Men are basically exhibitionists. <laughs> they want women to look at them. Well, okay. You think your gender matters in this project? Cause you keep saying men photographed by women. Does, does, does your gender matter in these, in these shoots? Sure. 
How so? They love be- they want a female to be photographing them, especially a heterosexual man wants a female to be you, a photographer photographs what they love. Mm-hmm. And uh, men who are heterosexual wouldn't feel comfortable if, if, if say they get a semi erection or get an erection or something, they're responding to me behind the camera in some way. And when I'm talking to them, they wouldn't be comfortable with a male gay photographer who's photographing them. Mm-hmm. If something like that might happen, they might, I don't know, they might feel very uncomfortable in that situation, but they wouldn't feel they aren't uncomfortable in that situation with me because I have photographed men with erections that are in that book, Mm -hmm. too. The pictures are published. Even when he published that book, Pete Schiffer, who owns Schiffer Books, I asked him, can I put erections in this book? He said, sure. Oh, I, I love it. T- tell, tell me about responses. T- tell me what you've heard when people have seen your images. I always get a, a very positive response to my, to my uh, photographs overall. Not to be published in magazines and not publishing male nudes in magazine. Even though just recently I did get a contact through a journal that's going to be reissuing reissuing again and I'm, I'm the first female photographer that they're publishing in it and it's coming out in september called physique pictorial it's published in san francisco at some point i think it was more gay orientated but they're they're changing it around and they're seeking more women photographers to be put in the in the magazine who photographed men. I'm the, going to be their first female photographer published in this journal. I'm looking forward to it. I think that's really nice. Very cool. N- nobody's come down on, on the the sort of conservative moral side and said, you know, y- your work is terrible and awful and none of this should be allowed? No. Good. No. Good. No, not at all. I never heard that. No. Two things I, I want to talk, talk about. First of all, tell me about shooting black men. You've got th- You've got that project going on. Yes, uh, because I realized in my book, She Shoots Men, I have four black African-American male nudes in there. And out the majority of Out of, I forgot how many pages are in that book. But in, in overall, even when in my, uh, my contact sheets and all that, I, uh, major, more than the major, majority have been uh, all the uh, only four black men. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, Hmm. This is the culture that's going on right now. I, I, w- I would love to do a book on the black male nude. So this is what I'm doing. I'm photographing the black male. And uh, it's a little bit harder to find African-American men. I've been doing research, get, getting men where when I'm in New York City or I'm in Asbury Park, I have a little camera with me. I'd say I'm going out doing an errand in New York. I'm walking around. I, I'm snapped. I, and I find a, a black guy that walks by. He's dressed very nice. I snap his picture and I'll say to him, oh, uh, I have a just a, a little blog where I put your style on there and I'll send you these snapshots. And I said, and then I ask him, would you ever consider posing nude for me? I'll send you some, a blog about it. And I, that's how I've been getting a lot of 
African-American men to not that much because a lot of that, that their culture, they're not that open to it. You know, Vivian, if, if, if you walked up to me on the street and said, I just took your picture, would you mind posing nude? I would run away. I would run away as fast as I possibly could. Um, <laughs> I asked them first if I could take, I'd never just snap somebody's picture without asking them permission. I don't use a long lens or anything. Mm -hmm. And I send them a little copy and paste, a little note about what I'm doing. Uh -huh. And I had the, that previous book. It's a a little letter that I send them and contact me if you're interested. That is fantastic. T tell, tell me a story. Tell me a story about, you know, from day one to day now, but so, you know, it's someone that's a story that sticks in your mind as being tremendously celebratory or boy, here's a shot or a shoot that went to hell. Tell me, tell me a cocktail party story about your work. Well, uh, overall cocktail uh, <laughs> about the journey. Sure. Well, you know, I, began my er in the early 70s and as i mentioned i started with shooting naked men and as i uh, was walking home through times square somebody had a flyer tooting male burlesque here and i said oh my gosh male burlesque those men must be naked up there up in the the club dancing that's how i began shooting the all the male burlesque club i went walking up to the club I did see these guys on stage and the manager said, well, you have to have permission. That's how I had to go get permission to do the male burlesque. So when I was shooting in all the male burlesque clubs in Times Square, I saw all these mar marquees around with porn movies. And then on the side bar, they would on the side ad would say live sex shows here. And I'm like, this was like 1980. And I'm like, live sex shows. I'd never seen anything like that. So again, I walked up into the first club I saw, which was Show World. It was the biggest one in, in Times Square. And I went into that place and the, and that manager said, if you want to come in here, you have to go speak to so-and-so at his office. He gave me the address and that began there. And I photographed in all the live sex shows that featured in Times Square, all the clubs. Mm -hmm. I think I have the largest body of work documentation of live sex shows, Times Square, 1980s. I'd like to do that as a book, Sex and Porn. And then while I was doing those clubs, they featured a porn star because pornographic movies began in New York City in the 80s before video took over and then they moved everything to California. I shot all the porn stars that were featured, the men and the women, but I didn't want to photograph them on stage. Well, I did photograph some, but I wanted to do a very nice fine art photo of them. So I photographed them where they lived or in their hotel room. And I also interviewed them. And that I have a body of work called the golden age of porn with the men and the women from the 80s who starred in films. And I have a list of their movies with interviews. Penthouse Magazine ran a number of them. So also, while I was in some of the uh, clubs that have the live sex shows, I met my first transsexual. Mm -hmm. I was in the dressing room, and there was a woman in the back, and I asked if she was a performer, if I could please photograph her, I'd give her pictures, you know, and all that. And she said, well, no, because I'm a manager. I'm going to be doing transsexuals that are living here in New York City. And I never 
had seen a transsexual and she was a transsexual who looked just like me. I said, really? I don't believe you're a transsexual. She says, I'll show you. (laughs) And she had a penis. And I said, oh, my gosh. I said, you look beautiful. I said, I would never have known. I said, when are all these girls going to be working here? She goes, I'm going to have a certain floor and show world. Come and meet the girls. So I met the girls and I photographed a few there. But I wanted to photograph them also in their home environment, which I did. Mm-hmm. And which were all uh, published in a book called uh, Male to Female, Lacage Falls. Oh, yep. yep. By Edition Stemley, published it in 1995. He did a German edition and a U.S. edition. It's also a beautiful book. It sold out because I did these pictures in 1985. The book was published in 1995. Mm hmm. Uh, Thomas Stemley owned Edition Stemley. It's no longer around. He published it, and then it sold out, and he wanted to do it in paperback. And then his company dissolved. I wish somebody would reprint it because it was a beautiful book. It's nudes of male-to-female transsexuals, and in the book is also triptychs of drag queens and transvestites. I did the first picture of him as a man, the middle picture of him before his transition to his female side. So that was that book. And then later on in the 90s, I met my first female to male transsexual. Back then in the 80s, you didn't see many female to male. Tra- I didn't. I might, they might have been around, but I wasn't running into any. And I did meet my first female to male uh, transsexual, and I photographed a number of them. Basically, those pictures are unpublished. And now I'm doing, again, uh, the embracing gender. Now I'm revisiting the the new, the spectrum of transsexuals was much smaller and narrow in the 80s. You didn't see uh, a support system for them like there are today. Mm-hmm. They're much younger now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're in different, they're in regular jobs doing a series called Embracing Gender, which includes, they don't even use the word transsexual anymore. I'm educating myself as I'm going along too. They don't use the word transsexual anymore. They use the word trans. So I'm photographing trans, non-binary people, drag queens, drag kings, and other. There's a whole the spectrum is so broad now. So I'm working on that. I would love to do that, show the then pictures from that first book that I had with now. And it, it, it's interesting. I photographed a transsex, a trans person, a young girl that I met here in Asbury Park, May. She just had her, before, she still had her penis. She just had an operation last Monday. So she asked me to do nudes of her, which I did. I went to her home environment nearby. And now she wants me to do post-surgery after she recovers six weeks. So this is the body of work that I'm working on. And I'm finding it highly, very interesting. It keeps growing that spectrum of the gender. And I'm, I'm very happy that there's so many support systems for all these people. They're so much younger. Back then in the 80s when I photographed transsexuals, sometimes it was very sad. The drugs that they received was on the black market. 
A lot of doctors that they re- went to visit gave them botched up jobs. So I'm happy that becoming more acceptable in our world and in society and gender in general. That is that is very cool. So that's what I'm working on. <laughs> you, you know, it, it, it strikes me that a lot of your work is historic, you know, documenting what's going on at a certain time. A lot of your work is is also activist is, is probably not too strong of a word trying to, you know, to get the word out there to give these people a voice, to give these people a, a sense of presence in, in mainstream uh, society. Assume, you know, you, you don't know me and I'm coming along one of your images in, you know, in a gallery or in a book or on the web. You know, what is it you want me to see as, as I'm looking at your work? Well, first of all, I'm very pleased and happy that you're looking at it. I, I want you to be non-judgmental and to be enlightened by what I'm presenting to everybody to have an opportunity to see since I am very honored to be have that opportunity to photograph a lot of these people that wouldn't normally be photographed and want their pictures shown to the world. So I'm very honored that I'd have that opportunity that, and I could share it with others mm-hmm. who are not to be non-judgmental of what anybody's journey is in this world, because we're all beautiful and we're all special. And so that would be my message to everybody. That is wonderful. You have an Instagram feed, which is just at V for Vivian, M-A-R-I-C-E-V-I-C, which everybody needs to go look at straight away. Thank you very much. This is really extraordinary, wonderful work. Thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Scott. (laughs) Take care. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Frames. Because excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit us at www.readframes.com.